Jay, can you just remind us all again of the members of Retribution? So we've got Mash, Crossbar, Thick Slap, and Reptilian. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid is as stupid does. Welcome to episode five of Fresh on the Heels. I am Stephen, joined every week by my two wonderful co-hosts. I've got Quinn. Say hi, Quinn. Hello, mate. And I've got Jamie. Say hi, Jamie. Hello, brothers. How are we doing, chaps? Yeah, I'm all good. This man, yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. Ready for episode yeah. five. Yeah. Uh, episode five. It's been another crazy week of wrestling. So every week we're going to bring you our thoughts and opinions on the week that's gone by. We're going to start, though, with something that was very popular last week. We're going to look at the Mount Rushmore that we're all building Ooh. between ourselves. Oh, shit. Oh. I know, straight into it this week. So, Quinn, you went first last week. I did, yes. And with Chris Jericho, Y2J. So, because of the way that we're building this Mount Rushmore, once a wrestler has been chosen by the other <laughs> team, they cannot be on your Mount Rushmore. So, in... The interest of fairness, and we are going to change the order up this week. So we're going to start with myself. Okay, yeah, so go for it. my second name on my Mount Rushmore, alongside the People's Champion, is the one and only Daniel Bryan. Oh, okay. Mm, I didn't expect that one. Oh, he's come out early. He has come out early. I, I, I worry that he might have gone... In this second round, if I didn't pick him first, when I think about my first pick, The Rock, it was very much a case of I was of that age, you know, 99, 2000, 2001, where it, the wrestling was just like the coolest thing in the world. Absolutely loved it, invested into everything that happened. So the reason I've picked Daniel Bryan is because as I've got older, some things don't always land as well when you've got a bit of a, an adult brain in, on your shoulders. And I think Daniel Bryan, particularly during that WrestleMania 30 run, and just generally throughout his career alone, has it's been someone who's still given me that that little nugget of of kayfabe and believability. I root for him. I believe what he says. I believe what he does in the ring. Very very good wrestler. I think you know if if not one of the best in the world, certainly up there. Really good promo. Funny guy. Uh, and yeah, I think. If you look at the the build up when he was doing the B plus player stuff, uh, and and the whole arc they had with with him and the Miz, and then the Authority, he he for me is somebody who, had I been 10, 11, 12 years old watching that, like he would have been the Rock for me. So, yeah. second pick overall, D Bry. I want to come to you first, Quinn. Yeah, I, I, like I said before, I'm shocked he's come out so early. Um, I think it was a given. He was definitely, definitely going to be on somebody's. But I can't I can't fault what you're saying, and I agree with everything you say. He deserves to be there. I enjoy watching him week in, week out, regardless of him being face, heel. Yeah, I just think it's what a pick. Yeah, I love Daniel Brown. And what about you, Jay? Yeah, well, I... I great pick as well. I mean, I, I have a tattoo of Daniel Bryan on me, so that's how much I love him. Yeah, I mean, it looks a bit like Chuck Norris, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think he was, how he got over so naturally, how he wasn't forced down people's throats and the the that the, P, the powers that be, sorry, had no choice but to put the, put the spotlight on him um, because he was so good and people liked him. Yeah, just overall, just sick. So we'll go to you next then, Jay. So- right, so I should really, I think I ought to put the rock last week first. Like you did. I'm glad you did. Um, but I did put Ric Flair. But going more towards the time that I've watched wrestling, um, my second pick is going to be Triple H. Oh, okay. The game. The King of Kings. The game. The cerebral assassin. Um, the the heel of my childhood. Uh, me and Quinn definitely grew up with him always being in the, the main event. I think he main evented every pay-per-view that year. Yeah, literally, every single one. Yeah, so his great matches with Cactus Jack or Mankind, Mick Foley, whichever one you want to say, that Hell in a Cell, the Street Fight at the Rumble, that's kind of what, you know, 
my first pay-per-views and then the, the McMahon in every corner match. He was always in and around the main event. Um, the, the two-man power trip with Austin was amazing. And then he got that injury. And then when he, when he came back as a face, I always remember his return, actually, that is in Madison Square Garden. And just the pop was ridiculous. And I just think he's always had good matches. I've never seen a, you know, a, a false note kind of thing from him. He's been around for so long as well, and he's still just as good. I've just always enjoyed his matches, and he's got the best entrance as well. I mean, we, we've all 100% tried to spit water out of our mouths like Triple H at one point or another. Oh, I yeah. still do it if that song comes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no complaints from me there. So he was going to be my pick uh, if I wasn't going to go with D. Bry. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with him being the, the heel of our childhood. You, you always wanted to see him get his ass kicked, but they, they did a real good job most of the time of, of having him come out, come out on top. Uh, and it just added to that hatred of him. Um, yeah, we hated him so much when we were younger. And now looking back in retrospect as adults, that shows how good he was because he was doing his job. Completely. What are, what are your memories of Triple H, Quinn? Yeah, so I think you've, I mean, you've hit them all on the head again. Um, some some great memories growing up in wrestling with with Triple H. And, and like, just to reiterate what Jamie said, like we hated him and we wanted him to lose. And, and and that was him being this incredible heel. But what we haven't mentioned, which I love, is his comedic effects and the stuff he did later on with uh, the return of DX and his partnership with Shawn Michaels and uh, sort of going up against them at Mans and the introduction of the Spirit Squad and all that sort of stuff. And it is like it's one of my favorite favorite backstage promos. Um, is one when he's trying to calm Shawn Michaels down and he goes and starts uh, um, switching music in people in the, in the corridor and it's uh, just their, their timing together and he just he is the epitome of, of the wrestling business isn't he Triple H and I think yeah great pick it's, it's incredible as well that after everything we spoke about you know the, the, the bookends really of his career we didn't really touch on DX there until you mentioned it Quinn and then we also you know We've got to look at NXT and just the the enjoyment that we get out of that. It's got his fingerprints all over it. Absolutely. Um, so interesting then. Coming over to you now, Quinn. Well, so you didn't neither of you have picked anyone that I was going to pick today. Throw it out, throwing it out there, going a bit left field. I think my pick today is going to be Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, nice. Nice. And going into it, uh, I think before we go onto the whole taken before his time and, and that sort of stuff. I just want to say, like, the way he came in, the stuff he did in New Japan and WCW before he came into WWE, he came in with the Radicals and they were a great little stable. I think they were a little short-lived, but I think they probably saw the potential in both Eddie and Chris Benoit, so that's probably why they probably broke them up as fast as they did. He did things the right way. I know we've talked about this on earlier episodes about sort of he went into the European Championship title, then the Intercontinental, and then worked his way up to that famous world title win against Brock Lesnar. He didn't fit this bill of the Hulk Hogan's and the Kevin Nash's of, of WCW and he didn't come in and he wasn't the Austin's or the Triple H's of, of WWE and, and he still got there. He like, you know, he, he did all he put in all that hard work. He was a great entertainer, face heel, he worked both very good heel. There's just a countless reasons why I want him up there. And he's one of my all time favourite wrestlers. Nobody hits a frog splash quite like him. And you know you lie, you cheat, you steal. He'll, he'll cheat to win that guy. And I think that's, uh, there's got some, got, got a lot of respect from him in that sense. But no, Eddie Guerrero, 100%. Yeah, fantastic pick. I just recently watched a match actually with him and, and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania where the boot comes off. Yes. Title. And yeah, he was such a good storyteller in the ring and out the ring as well. Really, really enjoyable to watch. Fantastic wrestler as well. You know, I think yeah. the three, was it three amigos, the suplexes that he did where he kept the, kept the lock in and yeah the stuff he did with China was probably the first sort of uh, stuff that I kind of warmed to him on yeah, yeah absolutely fantastic pick yeah what are your memories of, of the late great Eddie Guerrero Jay? Yes similar um, to, to Quinn uh, that obviously the win over Lesnar which leapfrogged him into the main event and then on to his rivals with JBL um, he could even make JBL look good that's just credit to how good he was <laughs> in the ring and his stuff with China, like you said, and even tagging with Rey Mysterio. Um, and then they had a match at WrestleMania as tag team champions, which was a was a great match. And yeah, high-flying, but also technical, comedic. And I always loved these, the, the little spot where he'd hit the chair on the mat and then throw it to his opponent and lay down so they get disqualified. 
that yeah, was I so smart. That. I fucking yeah. loved that. And you still see that today. I think Ricochet did it not that long ago. So he's still influencing people now. And he's you know he's been gone. Well, I don't know, 15 years or something. That dedication that Eddie had was probably his downfall as well. But yeah, um, I just think you don't see that you don't see that much determination unless you know, meant to like Daniel Bryan and stuff like that. But like it's it, that passion just doesn't seem as common anymore. Sometimes I don't think anyway. Yeah, he fully lived the business, didn't he? I recall as well one one summer afternoon at my grandma's house trying to do a frog splash off the top of her sofa. <laughs> and I got so much talk on it that I actually need myself in the nose and busted my nose open. So I think my, my cousin was probably laid on the floor ready to willingly take this flog frog splash. And I just need myself in the face at such like veracity that I just busted my, the blood everywhere. And that was purely trying to reenact an Eddie Guerrero move. So that's a, a fond memory I have him, of him. So, yeah, fantastic pick. I, again, I think, like you say, a little bit left field, but when you boil it down, I don't think many people can get anywhere near to Eddie Guerrero in terms of all-round package of, of what he was. He was he was a good talker, considering the language barrier. He was fantastic in the ring, really good comedic timing, could work as a face or a heel. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the greatest, isn't he? Very similar to Daniel Bryan as well, if you think, a little bit. Um, technical, high-flying as well, and face and heel imagine you know what kind of matches those two could have put on okay so fantastic that's Mount Rushmore for week two done we've had some fantastic picks again Daniel Bryan Triple H and Eddie Guerrero more excellent talent I'm looking forward to seeing who you guys pick next week as well it's going to get tighter every week isn't it yeah my list is just getting bigger and bigger imagine the people that are going to be left off like Reginald's not going to get me in there <laughs> shout out to Reggie future women's champion Reggie the big reg machine. <laughs> <laughs> Some lovely picks there. Then on Mount Rushmore, we spoke about briefly DX and the Radicals there, which leads us nicely into a new faction being formed on Wednesday Night Dynamite. This is the Pinnacle. So I watched Dynamite last night, saw MJF introduce this new stable. And I've got to tell you guys, I haven't watched a lot of Dynamite I know there's a lot of buzz going around MJF at the minute. He's such a good promo. He seems yeah. to be, for. I mean, he mentioned his age. It's obviously part of his gimmick that he says how successful he is at only 24. But I'll come to you first, Quinn. MJF just seems to be a ready-made, legit lifer in the business. 100%, yeah. Um, I... I think the first sort of interaction I, I guess I, I saw of him was when he was um, feuding with Cody sort of early on in the, like early AEW days. And and I thought this guy walking in sort of a, like sort of a Burberry scarf kind of giving it the whole Ric Flair vibe at such a young age. And I didn't see it. And then a couple of promos in and I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with him and he's, he's a very good wrestler as well, like which he kind of falls by the wayside because his promos are so sick and, aligning him with Jericho and that whole inner circle thing and the build up to that and stuff, it's just worked. He's got so much Jericho inside in him, if that makes sense. Like when Jericho came back as sort of the, the suited and booted uh, heel, when he was sort of his world champion days and when he rivaled with Edge and stuff like that. Yeah. You can see that in him. And I just think he's, he's a superstar. He's got so much potential. For, for 24 years old, it's yeah pretty worrying how, how many elements of, superstars he's got in him that that he reminds me of already you know yeah. think back to Jericho's introduction onto Monday Night Raw you think about how well the Miz has curated his character over a number of years he he's got bits of flair about him he's got bits of Jericho Eddie he he, he seems like he's gonna just take over that company what are your thoughts Jay yeah like you say I think he's a ready-made star isn't he and um, he's obviously a student of, of, of wrestling. He's definitely watched a lot of the greats, like you say, Flair, Jericho. And that promo the other night was very uh, Triple H evolution-esque, I think, I was as well. I just about to say that, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's money. He is money. And I just hope uh, AEW keep him and he can't be tempted to go somewhere else kind of thing. Because he's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be the face of that company, surely. Massively. So they they are called the Pinnacle. He introduced them. So they've obviously got Tully Blanchard, who he referred to as the 
the best brain in, in wrestling. Uh, he mm-hmm. then introduced Wardlow, who he's always been aligned with for as long as I can remember. Uh, best big guy in the business and the greatest insurance policy in professional wrestling, which I thought was a real good way to just keep Wardlow on the radar. Because I think when you look in that ring, yes, he is the biggest in there, but he's maybe the one who who might fall by the wayside just just purely on on the talent of the other guys. He's obviously and his after- name. <laughs> because of his name, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> neither of you two are massively keen on the name Wardlow. Shite. <laughs> okay. Uh, we then had FTR, uh, the greatest tag team on God's green earth, is how MJF put it. And I'd, I'd probably not disagree. Definitely. I'd second that. And then the chairman, Sean Spears, who we spoke about last week as well. Again, Ty Dillinger from NXT. Quinn, you had a lot of good things to say about him. I think he, he actually said as well that he'd been held down for, for so long. And it's not going to happen anymore. So it's it seems like a, a well-thought-out stable that's been put together. It seems like there's going to be a lot of opportunities for these guys. Where do you see this faction, the pinnacle, going? Um, yeah, I think I think they'll keep them together. I think it's going to be a good, solid run. They're going to try and you know get the most out of them as they can. They can be very four-horsemen kind of thing, but obviously with an extra one. Like you say, Wardlow will probably fall by the wayside, but... I wouldn't be surprised and I'd quite like to eventually maybe see Spears start to, I don't know, get a bit more spotlight than MGF and you could turn that into jealousy and it could kind of be like the Triple H Batista, you know, down that route. Because I know Cody's a massive fan of Sean Spears and obviously Cody's got some pull. So I'd eventually like to see, you know, not for a long time, I think they, they can make a lot of money as a group, but eventually I think I'd like to see Spears slingshot into that main event role with with MJF and maybe fight for a title. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. I think, like you say, the, the longer they keep this one going, I think the better it'll be for everybody involved. Uh, we, we spoke again last week as well, Quinn, about the, the amount of large factions that are already in existence on AEW. It wasn't as such as a criticism, but it, it's certainly something that those, I guess, five can get themselves into, definitely. No, and I agree. And I think um, if I was to, if no negativity coming from it, because I think they're all great talent. And I think um, if they stay together and have a, a long run, they'll achieve good day, great things. If I, if I was to have any criticism, it wouldn't be based on the stable itself. It'd be the fact of how many large stables are currently in AEW. Now, as we know, in every wrestling book ever, stables split up there's got to be somewhere down the line where one of them turns. It'll happen. It's happened to everyone that we've ever known. And, and I think with that, if you have so many big stables going on in, in one promotion, does it become saturated? Like I know they're going to rival within a circle for the time being, but then are we going to see somebody in a circle turn? And then is there something going on in the natural nightmares at the minute? I know that um, something happened at, at Revolution, didn't they, where they had uh, Dusty Rhodes had a bit of a spat with his tag partner. And so, yeah, it's not that it's not a bad idea and it's not that it doesn't work. I just, I don't want that idea to become saturated. I, I quite like the, the the stables. There is a lot of them, but like you say, I don't think there's anyone on the roster who isn't part of a faction now. Um, but I mean, it opens it up for people swapping and turning and, changing team so to speak it's very um team hollywood and and wolfpack though do you not think in terms of the the nwo became incredibly saturated because of these splitting off stables and there was then there was the lwo and whatever the one that raven ran at the time and that sort of i think i just don't want it to become a bit like that like it's i don't know i think uh, for, for me i don't recall you know, even at the height of the Attitude Era, even, you know, with tag teams who would often have either a manager or you think of like the Dudleys with Spike. I don't recall a company having so many different factions uh, split off from one another. And it's really interesting to see what they do with it. I think the key would be that there aren't too many betrayals and and turns because I, I do think that will then become oversaturated. I know that you mentioned, Jay, last week about maybe the introduction of a, of a multi-man belt, which I think yeah. would, would only strengthen the fact that they're, that they're doing that. With the amount of 
people they're trying to show at the minute on TV every week. I don't know if it's a case of them just trying to show what they've got early doors. I do sometimes think that it'd be maybe better to focus on two people, which we'll come on to in a moment, rather than 10 every week. I think there was a section on Dynamite where Tony Schiavone was interviewing Sting and Darby Allen on the ramp. And within about five minutes, that became a ramp full of, I, I don't know, maybe like 10, 12 people. I, I agree with that. <clears throat> and news correctly, I think I completely agree. I think the issue that, that I have with it is that you end up, and we saw WWE do it when um, Seth Rollins set up his little disciple group. Uh, he had the Authors of Pain as a cemented tag team. And yet him and Buddy Murphy went for the, Rollins and Buddy Murphy went for the tag titles. And I, you saw that a little bit with uh, the Inner Circle. Uh, Santana and Ortiz are the established veterans of the tag team wrestling. And yet we saw Jericho and MGF challenged for the tag titles. And I know that kind of fell into the, 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 there was, there was a rockiness going on within the group. And that then turned out to be that he was portraying them to start the pinnacle. But yeah, I just don't want to see, I don't want to see FTR stop doing what they're good at because they're just lackeys in their group. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's it's a fine balancing act with the stables. As I say, I don't recall ever watching a promotion that had as many. And I think it's going to be a really interesting development on that. And, and like we say, with, with the multi-man belt potentially coming in, you know, but that's a suggestion that you made, Jay. I think that could really strengthen that core. Elsewhere on AEW, there was the women's match between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. This has got a lot of headlines this week for all the right reasons. So it may have ended, which uh, is a big thing. I know it's a rivalry that's been building up between these two for a while. Um, I know Britt Brit Baker was injured for a long time, wasn't she? So I think she kind of uh, was a mouthpiece for a, a long time and, and she's expressed her interest about being the best in their, in their division. And anyway, we got down to this uh, lights out match and I think the result, I don't think anybody saw it coming. There's I've, the reports I'm reading is that it's it, it's been said to be one of the best, not necessarily a women's division match, but one of the best matches in to main event uh, a weekly show in in years. And and I've, as you both have seen, it, it ended up being an absolute bloodbath. Yeah, it was a great match. I've not I've not seen anything like that on a on a regular TV show for a while. It was it was great from start to finish as well. There was no the momentum was just continuous. So it started with a spear through the second rope and then an yeah. air, air raid siren onto the stage and it just went from there. Both of them got colour, you know, yeah, the, tables, ladders. The utilisation of the ladders, yeah, it was massive. And yeah, just, just never lost momentum, which is which is sometimes hard in any in any match. And yeah, they, they nailed it. I mean, imagine if that was in front of a crowd. It, oh, it would have been ridiculous. Yeah, they're getting a lot of props to these two. I know Thunder Rosa is is highly thought of and, and a lot of people putting in the suggestion that she was maybe one of the best wrestlers, female wrestlers of last year. And it looks like, you know, with her getting the victory there, that she's going to be someone that the company are going to push forward with as well. Again, I, I made my feelings clear last week on overly violent matches. I, again, I'm going to hold my hands up. I've not seen a lot of AEW. Every time I tend to watch it, though, I tend to see thumbtacks or barbed wire or a lot of blood is this maybe just me catching the wrong matches or do they do do they go down that route more often than maybe they need to pay-per-views it tends to be quite popular i don't see much on dynamite itself but yeah they're not shy of it and i think cody made that very clear when they started that they weren't going to be shy of it i don't think it's something that they're going to shy away from yeah i think like i say the the storytelling in the match itself was really good and it the, the package they put together beforehand to show the fact that, you know, these two have been at each other for a long time. It's like you say, it's maybe a bit of a shame that it wasn't in front of a crowd. I, I just sometimes feel like you can tell just as good of a story in the ring with, with no gimmicks as you can with a bag of thumbtacks, ladders, tables, etc. But taking nothing away from those two, because they definitely left it all in the ring as well. There was something else on AEW that was quite interesting as well, boys. I don't know if you saw this. It was, it was Don Callis backstage with the Young Bucks he sort of said that they'd fallen down the pecking order. They're not elite anymore is what he said, I think. And he referenced the fact that he, they weren't the young books that he remembers from New Japan. Okay. My question to you boys is, is I'll, I'll come to you first, Jay, on this one. 
I've never really been massively into the Young Bucks from what I've seen. They come with a huge reputation. I know that they are highly regarded in the world of wrestling. And I think they're obviously sort of the, the founding forefathers of AEW along with Cody and, and Kenny and uh, Paige as well. But just talk to me a little bit about the Young Bucks. What, what are your overall thoughts on them? When I, I like them. I just think, I just think they've, already, they've done everything already. They've been everywhere and they've beat everyone. So I think that's why maybe you said they've fallen down the pecking order a bit. What else is left for them to do? I really like them. They kind of, they kind of remind me of, you know, the early 2000s Hardys and Edge and Christian. I think you can tell that they've definitely grown up around a time when, when the Dudleys, Edge and Christie and the Hardys were, were at their peak and they've borrowed sort of elements of all of those together. What about yourself, Quinn? Thoughts on the, the books? I think uh, it's safe to say that they're—I mean—they're not so young anymore, are they? And, and as Jamie says, they've—they've—they've they've, they've done everything they possibly can. I think, and they've—they've they've made a very good point of swerving all the WWE offers and that sort of. If they've—if they've had any, I think they've claimed that they've had big money offers before. Watching them at Revolution a couple of weeks ago, I felt like maybe I believed that they were better than they were. I'm not to say that I don't think they're good. I think they're incredible at what they do. I think they're very talented. But at Revolution, I just thought that, yeah, they're, they're a good tag team, but I'm not, I'm not rushing to watch them again. There's a, there's a connection thing with me. I, I definitely don't doubt for one second that they're fantastic wrestlers and I've seen, I've seen enough of their matches to, to be able to form an opinion, I think. There's, there's just something about them that I just can't quite connect with. And I don't know if it's, if it's their look if it's maybe their style, there's there's a lot of false finishes in in Young Bucks matches, isn't there? Where is, is it because Dave Meltzer loves them? I've got no idea what it is. I've, I've no idea. I, I feel I feel like like you say that they've been around for quite a long time and they they probably have done most of their good work prior to AEW. It may be something that I need to go back and have a look at. It's just every time I've I've put a match on with those two in, there's just something I just can't quite connect the dots. If that makes sense. I've got a question for you, boys. I just want a quick fire answer as well. I don't want too much on it. There's been a lot of talk about WWE stars jumping ship, going over to AEW. There's been a bunch now that have done it. Quinn, I'll come to you first. Of the current AEW roster, which of those do you see most likely going the other way? So which which AEW superstar do you think is more likely to go to WWE, if any? I don't want to see it happen, but I think one day MGF will do it. MJF, okay. And what about you, Jay? Maybe Darby Allen. Maybe Britt Baker, because her husband, her, her partner's there. I'd say it's more likely to go the other way. I think Cole's more likely to go AEW. Oh, do you? Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's a nice but, little segue, actually, boys, because you've brought up the Adam Cole, and we're going to move on to NXT next. It is the highlight of the week every week, NXT. So we've spoken about it, you know, at length over the last couple of shows. Just going to touch on a few points this week. Firstly, the Cruiserweight, we had the return of Jordan Devlin to the CWC. He confronted Escobar. They both clearly have the Cruiserweight titles to their name, but there can only be one. We, we've we been excited about this for, us for quite some time. I know, Quinn, you referenced him being your Cruiserweight champion, Jordan Devlin. Escobar, of course, won the title when Devlin was unable to defend it because of the pandemic. So I'll come to you first, Quinn. Devlin yeah. and Escobar, happy to see those two together? Yeah, yeah. I think it only makes sense now to to lead us into a unification match uh, at Stand and Deliver. I'm hoping the right man wins. But yeah, it's good to see Devlin on a United States screen and see him getting the sort of leaving UK to, to come to this NXT and, and showing... What is what he's really capable of? I think he, he deserves it. He's, he's money, as some may say. Jordan Devlin, I think he's got a, a great career ahead of him. Most definitely. And I know, Jay, that you watched the NXT UK match uh, last night between Trent Seven and Jordan Devlin. So just talk us through that because it's been quite an interesting angle that they've done there. Yeah. So obviously, we see Devlin on Wednesday night in America and then he's. He's suddenly back in England on Thursday, but I think we know how that works. Um, so, yeah, he, he had his match with uh, Trent. It was a great match from start to finish. You know, really good. They, they pulled out all the stops in an empty arena, not even 
not even virtual audience, really. Um, it just Trent, didn't stop, did it? It just didn't no, stop. It was Trent cut the weight. Uh, whether that's a work or not, I don't think it is. I think it is true. Um, obviously, he had a bit of a. He won by a little bit of hook and crook, you know, with with a thumb to the eye. But you'd expect it because he's he's a heel and he's a, he's a really good heel. So now, yeah, we will get them them two facing off to decide who's the real NXT cruiserweight champion. Um, and I can see Escobar walking out as the winner. Unfortunately, um, maybe Trent gets added to it, and maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing. Escobar winning because then Devlin could move on to bigger and better things because I think like like Quinn said he is money and I, th- I think he's I'd love to see him maybe go challenge Bala his uh his his teacher oh they had a great match didn't they they had an incredible match at yeah. uh, a UK to- takeover not too long back yeah so on, on the back of this Trent Seven match last night in NXT UK Trent was interviewed by, by the cameras backstage and, and he was sort of saying that he, you know he's a bit fed up and he's a bit annoyed that he's done all this work to get down to weight and he left that interview by saying you know I'm pissed off I don't know what to do maybe there's nothing else left for me in NXT UK anymore and that got me thinking that he would be a really nice addition to the Devlin and Escobar feud because again like we spoke about the other week with possibly the insertion of Daniel Bryan into the Edge and Reigns match and, and maybe the insertion of Peyton Royce into the Asuka and Charlotte match. It's somebody who is a completely viable opponent for, for the other two and somebody who can take that pinfall to protect the other two if need be. So I'd love to see Trent get involved in that. Do, do you think that may happen based on last night's action? I'd like to see it. I don't see why... They would have spent weeks and weeks and weeks um, with these yeah. vignettes and these promos about him making weight for him to lose that last night's match and and not, especially when you re- reference the uh, when he talks about um, how he didn't think it was it was fairly the, the result was fair. So yeah, I think it makes sense. I'd like to see him in that match. Yeah, I guess you can get you can get a better payoff if he's if he's chasing it. You know what I mean? If if he wins on his first goal, then that's it. You know, you've you've hit the peak. So yeah. you, you want you want that chase, and maybe you can. You can leave it until there's some more crowd and then then you get the big payoff, hopefully. Yeah, that'd be cool. We also saw another uh, addition from NXT UK come on to NXT US this week, and it was Walter, the ring general, beating down Tommaso Ciampa along with the rest of Imperium. I bloody love Walter, man. His entrance music, the look of him, just the chops. He's, he's uh, one of my favourite champions in, in that company at the minute 713 day reign at time of recording for Walter as UK champion which is just phenomenal come to you first Quinn where do we believe that the Champa Volta Imperium stuff might be heading so me and Jay talked about this um, a little bit the other day um, I would love save it for the bloody podcast boys sorry uh, I would love to see uh, Walter v Champa. And I'd love to see Champa take the belt. I'd love to see him take the gold. I'm not no disrespect to what Walter's done with that title. When he when he beat Pete Dunn for it, I was as a bit as a bit heartbroken. I didn't really see what people saw in Walter, um, and I loved uh, Dunn being the champ. So to see that to, to see Walter progress as champion and, and what he's done and who he's faced and every time he's faced someone, I've been convinced that he's they're going to take the gold from him, and they just they just don't. Uh, Drogonov, uh, Bait, uh, every time I think, yeah, they're going to do it. There was a there was a little moment with Balor, I think, before they put Balor into the uh, NXT title picture. Yeah, I'd be excited to see what if they progress and put him on stand and deliver and, and Champa's the guy, man. Jay, I know that you're big, big team Champa, dude. Do you agree oh. with putting, on, putting the belt on him? Oh, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I mean, just Champa being on TV again, I'm, I'm happy with. So, yeah, I don't know what angle they're going to go with because obviously um, Thatcher's still a land with Champa. So is it, are they just playing into who's he going to who's he going to choose? But yeah, Walter and Champa could have a great match because uh, you know I like Walter for a big guy. Walter's ridiculous. Um, that match with Tyler Bate was one of the best I've seen in years. So yeah, him and Champa could put on a, a great show. I think. Where's that Thatcher fit into it? That's the only thing. Yeah, it was curious. Uh, I think. At first, I believed it may have just been the rest of Imperium trying to recruit Thatcher. With Walter coming back, I don't know if it's... He's come back for a reason, hasn't he? I don't think he's come back purely to recruit Thatcher. 
So yeah, I think if, if Stand and Deliver has as Champa versus Walter, that'll be. I mean, that could headline either night for me. Okay, boys, we mustn't forget Monday Night Raw. I know that we said that we weren't going to speak too much about it moving forward, but when something as stupid happens, (laughs) what happened on Monday night, we have to bring it up. Firstly, a little bit of a a lighter note, there were some new tag team champions crowned. Our predictions between the three of us of the Hurt Business becoming a dominant faction is (laughs) fallen by the wayside already. There's no more. Congrats to the New Day, who have won yet another tag team title. Kofi has uh, just hit 14 uh, individual tag team title reigns, equals to Edge. New Day at 11, Dudley Boys at 10, New Age Outlaws at 9. Yeah, so the Dudleys I'm looking, they've had, yeah, they've had 10. But one of them was eight, eight world tag titles, the original belts from when we were younger. Yeah, and then, then they came back and won the Unified, did they? Oh, no, it was Raw. Did they win the yeah. Raw one? Well, it just says WWE Tag Team, which is now the Raw ones. Yeah. Um, and then they had the WCW titles during yeah. the invasion. Yeah, because they, they, were, they were the alliance, weren't they, at one point, and they had the WWE, and the Hardys were WWE, but they had the WCW. And I think they, yeah. they, uh, I think it was the Dudleys that merged them. Well, you mentioned on the new, the new Tag Team Champs, we have new challengers. Uh, so the new challenges are AJ Styles and Omos. They 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 were celebrating their win, and out comes AJ, and they just he just directly challenges the two of them for a match at WrestleMania, which they accept. Yeah. So Omos's debut match is probably going to be at WrestleMania. Probably going probably to win a championship in his debut match, which I don't think many people have done. It's only Christian I can think of, but other than that. In my head, what's going on here? Do they just want AJ Styles on, on the card and they didn't have anything else? Because No, I no, I, I think it's a pretty strong build. They, they went to the ring and said, we're not doing anything at WrestleMania, <laughs> which is fantastic for the phenomenal one, isn't it? Like, well, yeah. it, It's like going up to a couple of your friends and going, well, I'm not busy this weekend. Do you, do you fancy... Tend to go out for a beer. It literally is, uh, but week. it does. It doesn't look good against uh, the hurt business, does it? Like when you know they were kind of building up to this, where this big dominant stable. All right, no, uh, now we're back to being lackeys. Lashley's lackeys, yeah. And then this week, the Braun Strowman, Shane McMahon stuff on on goes, and it's it was like a get your own back Nickelodeon special this week. So I hadn't seen the promo from the week before, Jay. I know you spoke to us last week about it. Went back to watch it just to see how bad it really was. And Jesus Christ, it was bad. (laughs) He just forgot what he was doing. I was watching this with my partner and and she sat there and she, she said, what's going on? Not only did he forget his lines, he forgot what his job was, I think, for us for a short time period. He just completely forgot that he was involved in wrestling. I don't think he knew who Braun was. So weird. And then this week, uh, I'll I'll leave it to you, Jay, our resident Raw fan. Yeah. So we get Strowman v Shane, which we were all been dying to see. We couldn't wait till WrestleMania. We needed it now. And I didn't I didn't watch the whole match. I've just seen the. Shane hits his patented elbow drop through the announce table. Strowman took it like a champ as well. And then for some reason, um, he gets paint thrown over him, which I thought was slime at first. And I don't understand why. Why? why where it came from? Where, where on Raw do you need luminous green paint? <laughs> DX aren't back, are they? In case the Spirit Squad needs slime again or something. <laughs> but, um... I just thought it was uh, Tajiri's cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> Two buckets of Hornswoggle semen. (laughs) (laughs) Braun Strowman gets covered in two buckets of Hornswoggle semen. And we, well, so this is interesting. So we believe this was going to happen at Fastlane, but it appears to have been pulled from that show. They're probably saving it for the grandest stage of them all. (laughs) Oh, it's just laughable. Poo, isn't it? So poo. I just feel so bad for Strowman. Yeah, he's, he's definitely done something wrong. He's, he's either parked in Vince's space 
or he's forgotten to laugh at one of Vince's jokes. There's no, there's no reason on earth why he'd be doing this to anyone other than through spite. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna end up getting he's gonna lose to Shane, and then we're not gonna see him for weeks after Mania, and then he's gonna get repackaged as a dancing lumberjack or something. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's gonna be the next Funkasaurus. <laughs> He's oh, gonna he's a gooby gobbler or whatever it's called, that chicken. <laughs> <laughs> gooby gobbler. The gobbledygooker. Go- gobbledygooker. That's, That's yeah. the one. Yeah, that, yeah, that would work. Lovely. Well, I think that's probably enough for Raw then this week. I think it's again failing to get any other if, if anything, too much. Too much, yeah, too much raw already. TMR. It, so yeah, we'll, we'll it that. was good. It was good to see a little bit of a badass Asuka back, though. Like she was ready to curb stomp um, um, Shayna Baszler's teeth out, which was good to see. So, God. we are going to move on to Friday Night SmackDown. So, this show again is being recorded on a Friday. So, we're talking about last week's actions. Started with the promo between Edge and Daniel Bryan, which was fantastic. I know that you've been crying out, Quinn, for Edge to be on TV a little bit more in the build-up to Mania. And right, yeah. he opened the show. He said that he didn't like the way that Daniel Bryan had gone about his business. He referenced the fact that tough titties, basically, that you lost to Roman at the Elimination Chamber. And Edge won the Rumble from number one. Bryan was in that match as well. And these two, these two, I mean, Jesus, Reigns is fantastic at the minute, but in another lifetime, in another realm, these two alone would be amazing wouldn't they yeah 100% I think the stuff we're getting out of Reigns as we've mentioned a couple of times is the best we've probably seen out of him and multi-directions that 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 main event could go in but not to focus on that um, both promos from Daniel Bryan and Edge they're they're very very good at doing promos and uh, yeah they make you feel and I think that is just building this storyline up into what we're going to get at Mania. And as the weeks go on, I want Daniel Bryan to be more involved. I didn't a couple of weeks ago. I thought I wanted it to be Edge and Roman as it was, but I've read so many things in the last couple of weeks about how, how Daniel Bryan is the only real consistent element to the feud between Edge and Roman Reigns, if that makes sense. And it, it, it seems daft not to have him featured somewhere going into WrestleMania now. Yeah, I agree. Do you know what, as well, credit to WWE, because if Brian doesn't get involved in the main event, they've done a hell of a job of making it seem like he could. And I think yeah, you, there, there are so many times over the years where you see a throwaway match in, in the pay-per-view before Mania. You know who's going to win. You know what's going to happen. I think they've made Brian seem like such a legitimate uh, obstacle uh, and someone that might get involved in this that people are writing about it people are talking about it and at, at this point I, I know he's on my Mount Rushmore and I speak highly of him every week it, it doesn't matter to me now if he's not in this main event at Mania because they've they've put the the seed in my head that he might be and and that's all you can ever really ask of of the way that they produce the show Jay I know that you absolutely love Edge as well the mic skills obviously are still one of his best features. And it was it was a real good promo at the start of the show. What did you make of it? Yeah, I think they've got really good chemistry as well, the, the two of them. And I think if if they're not going to include Brian in the match, then I think they need to start focusing more on Edge and Reigns because I'm more invested in Edge and Brian at the moment. Yeah. So <laughs> they, need to, they need to decide quite quickly if he's going to be a part of it or not. Uh, the rate is going surely, but I don't know how they work him work him into it. But the only thing with so obviously between Edge and Reigns, Edge is the, the the face and Reigns is the heel. But when it comes to Edge and Brian, Edge is coming out across as more of a heel. So what do they want us to invest in? That's the that's the thing that's I'm a bit thrown off by. But I love it. You know, the more Edge, the better, and the more Brian, the better. But I just it's kind of like Reigns is just watching them now from the sides. Yeah, it's a good point. I think. The dynamic between Brian and Reigns is really interesting. The dynamic between Brian and Edge is really interesting. And like you just said, probably the thing that they've they focused on the least 
uh, you know, bar a few spares, is his edge and reins. So it it could be promising that that Brian will be getting included. So the the contract signing itself on SmackDown last week led to Edge coming out and declaring that he wants a match against Jey Uso tonight. The winner of that match will be the special enforcer of the Brian and Reigns title match at Fastlane. This is not something that they use very often, this special enforcer role. I think referring back to some older ones, maybe Austin has done that once or twice, maybe HBK. It's not not a common sort of role that they have in a match. My question to you probably, Quinn, is maybe the logic behind it. Because from my understanding, and you probably correct me if I'm wrong here, Edge wants... Ray reigns one-on-one at Mania. So he doesn't want Brian to win the title. Jey Uso wants Reigns to win. So regardless of who wins the Edge and Jey Uso match, that that person ultimately wants Brian to lose at Fastlane. Am, am I getting that right? Or do you think it might be different? Yeah, I would think so going off last week. I think at the beginning... I, don't, I think Edge, when Edge sort of bumped into Brian backstage, we're talking probably two, three, four weeks ago now. I think he shook his hands and he said he didn't care who he was facing at Mania, as long as he was headlining Mania. I think he openly said, I would happily face you on a one-on-one. So going into it now, now he's sort of like, there's a bit more passion, a bit more heat behind it. It seems that he doesn't want Brian to win for whatever reason. My way of thinking now is, and, and, and hear me out, just a, a little theory, going off on a tangent, but a theory nonetheless. You know, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about how we can't see Reigns playing this head of the table role without the title. Yeah, And we know Edge doesn't necessarily need to be champion to be back and to be as good as he is. So what if we get Brian in this triple threat and essentially that's this is what gets Reigns the win. So Reigns can go off, continue to be champion after Mania, keep his heel persona going and, and help get over somebody else. And then we lead into a, a feud between Edge and Brian further down the line. So obviously there's going to there's gonna be shenanigans at Fastlane, one way or another. Um, someone's screwing Brian. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Brian gets screwed over. He come out on SmackDown the following week. He's angry, gets in everyone's face. And Edge just goes, fine, if you beat me tonight, then you you can join the match at WrestleMania. And they can have a match on yeah. SmackDown. Yeah. 20 minutes, give them 20, 30 minutes, put on a sick match, then they can have the triple threat. Um, and then, yeah, they can continue the feud after that. Um, and then let's get the Money in the Bank briefcase on Edge, because first three-time Money in the Bank winner. Why not? You hate you hate them putting the Money in the Bank on, on a big star. Yeah, but not Edge. Edge is different. <laughs> if they're going to do it, it might as well be Edge. <laughs> okay. Not always for the second year in a row. Absolutely not. You're not a big fan of uh, Reggie in the bank, no? Oh, God. Elsewhere on SmackDown, I know, Jay, you were pretty hot on the Big E promo where he came out to call out Apollo Crews. Yeah, so Big E's back after, you know, he was out for a couple of weeks selling the, the injury from... Apollo throwing the stairs at him. Um, so yeah, he came out, he gave a really heated promo, just calling out calling out Cruz effectively. There was no laughing and joking. It was serious, Biggie, but it was good. It was passionate and probably one of the best promos I've seen from him. And then he throws out an open challenge and um, out comes Baron Corbin, but then Sami Zayn interrupts and we get a good match between the two of them. So now we've got Biggie and uh, Apollo um, at Fastlane for the title, which will be interesting. I don't think uh, Big E's going to drop, but I think they'll they'll put on a good match. It's now time for the most fun part of the show. Professional Gessler boys. It's a dead heat at one all. This week, we have three brand new wrestlers. Six clues on each, and you can buzz in at any point after the clue. But if you get it wrong, you can't buzz in again until the next clue has been read. So you do open it up to your opponent. In week one, we had Jay Whitewash, Quinn, with a 3-0 victory. Last mm-hmm. week was a bit of an upset, a bit of a Rey Mysterio underdog story from Quinn. 
getting a two-one victory over over a disheartened Jay. I know that you've you've had a lot of time. Still to, not over it. Still not over it. We're gonna need some new buzzers this week. I would like Jay. Your buzzer is going to be in in honor of your Mount Rushmore pick. I'd like your buzzer to be Katie Vick. Okay. So on three, can you just test your buzzer? One, two, three. Katie Vick. <laughs> Lovely. And Quinn, based on your pick this week on your Mount Rushmore, I'm going to ask for a Mamacita. <laughs> One, two, three. Mamacita. Lovely. Ooh. So both buzzers are working. Let us get into it. <sighs> I was born December 18th. 1964. Oh, fuck's sake. No Googling. <laughs> I played college football at the university in my home state before turning to professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. I have wrestled for WWE, WCW, and DCW. Mm-hmm. In two of those promotions, I held tag team championships. Any guesses, boys? No. I I thought you were going to start making these easier. This is this is dead easy. In March 1998, I became my company's fifth ever triple crown champion. I have won the Royal Rumble and King of the Ring. Come on. Uh, Final clip. Oh, uh, uh, Mamacita. (laughs) Oh, Quinn. Is it Austin? Of course. After retiring from the ring, I moved into television, including Tough Enough, Redneck Island, and Broken School Challenge. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Come on, of course it was Austin. It was Austin 316 day of the week. Of course it was going to be Austin. It was. It was also Fuck you, Jamie. 25 (laughs) years since you debuted on Monday Night Raw as a ringmaster. Do you know whose debut match was against? Just throwing it out there. D-Lo? Nope. (laughs) Nah, I'm out. He's currently in AEW. Still going. Goldust? No, it was uh, Matt Hardy. Oh, nice. Oh, man. Matt was just a job about then. Look at him now. <laughs> Big money, Matt. So, yeah, March 1998, he became the fifth ever Triple Crown winner in the WWE, WWF. Uh, he won the IC title in 97, tag team title same year, uh, and then he became the uh, the world champion in 98. Yeah, it's the uh, ECW thing that threw me off. But, yeah, he yeah, was Yeah, a lot ECW. of people forget he was in ECW. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so on the on the week of Austin Day and, and my 31st birthday. Just thought it'd be nice to throw Stone Cold in there. Next clue. Next wrestler. So, this is a bit easier for you, Jay. I've done the maths already for you. I will be turning 39 next week. Oh, 39. Okay. I am billed as six foot seven, weighing in at 275 pounds. Hmm. I debuted in professional wrestling in 2006. Mm-hmm. I'm a former United States champion and the only man to ever hold the ECW, WWE, and Lucha Underground heavyweight titles. I forgot my phrase, but I know who it is. Mamacita! Mm-hmm. Oh! Quinn? Is it John Morrison? No. Six foot seven? Six foot seven, oh, John Morrison. Oh, uh, incorrect. Yeah, no, I'm out. Shit. Uh, you, you need to remember your buzzer, though, please, Jay. What was it? What was a buzzer? <laughs> oh, Katie Vick. Katie Vick. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know it now, so I need another clue. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. In 2010. I would cash in my money in the bank contract to defeat a man who uh, I would later fight alongside. What? So in 2010, I would cash in my money in the bank contract to defeat a man 
who I would later fight alongside. And final clue. I have teamed with the likes Mama of... Mama Sita! Mama Sita! Mama Sita! <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, is Please. it Jack Swagger? Oh, yeah. Correct, Amundo. I have teamed with the likes oh! of... Oh! Dolph Ziggler, under the management of Zeb Calder. ECW! Fucking ECW. Not real ECW. Fuck's sake. Jamie, Thinks of Google in Mark's house. <laughs> hey, Quinn will lie, cheat, and steal to get a victory. I can. Well, we know that. I know, yeah. he's, a, I know he's a cheater. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't make it personal. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> There's girls hey, listening. Would you like the final wrestler for for some pride, Jay? Yeah. Okay. Fingers oh, on buzzers. I was born. Girl. September 24th, 1976. Oh, I don't know how old I is. I debuted in June of 1998 and won my first title on SmackDown in 1999. I held the gold until August of the following year, losing it on an episode of Raw in a match that saw The Rock act as special guest referee. In 2002, I was pinned by Triple H in a triple threat match for the Undisputed Championship. Oh, Mamacita. Go on. It's Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is incorrect. Would you like a guess, Jay? Is it Kurt Angle? Kurt Angle is incorrect. In 2002, I competed in an I Quit match against Vince McMahon. Final clue. Katie Vick. Go ahead. Is it Shane McMahon? Shane McMahon is incorrect. Ah. Quinn, would you like a guess before the final clue? No, no. Hit me with the final clue. Okay. So despite my longevity in the WWE, I only have one WrestleMania match to my name. In 2018, Sharing the ring with household names such as Triple H and Kurt Angle. Okay, Vic. Jay for Pride. Stephanie McMahon. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. It's Stephanie McMahon, the <laughs> princess. So, yeah, incredible little career she had. So, she won the women's title in June. Let the boobies hit the floor. Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> shout, shout out to Jericho, though. Yeah. Stephanie McMahon, only oh ever one WrestleMania match, which is quite interesting, considering she's been in a few fairly high-profile angles going into Mania, shall we say. Yeah, she's always been knocking around, hasn't she? Yeah. Certainly. So, 2-1, Quinn takes it again. This is uh, this is not what the, the experts, not what the bookies' favourites was going into oh, this week. It's, it's the ages. I, I focus too much on people's ages. That's my problem. I guess the fourth clue, and I'm still trying to figure it out on my hands how old they are. <laughs> Defeated by simple math. <sighs> God. Okay, boys. Well, that is all we have time for this week. It's been an absolute pleasure again. Just want to give a shout out to Connor Mack from the band Myoto for doing the jingles for us, as always. We have got Friday Night Smackdown tonight to look forward to. And we've also got Fastlane over the weekend as well. Jay, final thoughts on this week's episode of Fresh on the Heels? Uh, I lost again, so bullshit. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. We're going to have to start doing some flip-flop booking here, Quinn, because he, he always leaves too sad. <laughs> and Quinn, tell our lovely listeners where they can find us on the socials. I know that you're our resident guru on all social media. Yeah, so. uh, you can find us at Fresh on the Heels on both Instagram and Twitter, just for day, weekly updates on what's going on in the wrestling world that we may miss in the episodes. So yeah, follow us, keep in tune and keep listening. We've, we appreciate it massively tell all your friends about us tell anyone who will listen about us it's the only way we're ever going to get anywhere with this show but thank you again for listening enjoy the rest of your weeks and much love see you later guys bye
But oh. 30 dogs are back as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will edit you out. 